Welcome to Studio Wednesday's Recap Diaries. My name is Katie and this is my recap diary of House of the Dragon. Today I'm recapping, well, all of season one, baby. We open this season and series with a story being told. Set in the year 101, the story of who was to be the heir to the throne after King Jaehaerys Targaryen died. A story where although everything was pointing to Prince Rhaenys as the best option for the throne, it was decided that Viserys would become heir. And now buckle up, this season has multiple time jumps and it's all about setting up the story, learning characters, and understanding where things went wrong. The first jump is nine years into Viserys being king. And let's settle in here, get cozy, figure out the math, because it's 172 years before Daenerys Targaryen is born. To help set up this current Targaryen rule and family drama, we learn that Viserys has had one child, a daughter named Rhaenyra, and unfortunately has had multiple failed attempts to have a second child, and more specifically, a boy to name heir. Rhaenyra's mother, Queen Emma, makes a short and tragic appearance in the show as she dies horrifically during childbirth, giving birth to a baby boy who lives for not more than a few hours. With this tragedy, Viserys is also left with a difficult decision. Do I name my brother, Prince Daemon, who is known widely as a massive asshole and fairly ruthless in his choices, or do I go rogue and name my 14-year-old daughter heir? Breaking tradition, pissing off the masses of misogynists, Viserys, a gentle, kind, loving father, names Rhaenyra heir. Well, let's chat about Rhaenyra for a minute. In the first few episodes, we see her as a teenager, full of fire and passion and pretty witty as well. She has a special bond with three people in particular. Her best friend and daughter of the hand, Alicent Hightower, the commander of the King's Guard, Sir Harold Westerling, and her uncle, Prince Damon. Shortly after losing her mom and being named heir, she loses one of three confidants. In a wild turn of events orchestrated by Otto Hightower, Viserys chooses to go against the wishes of his council and marry Alicent. Instead of creating an ally, and marrying the young daughter of Corlys Valerian and Princess Rhaenys. This long-winded explanation is to help you understand that once Alicent became queen, her relationship with Rhaenyra was never the same. In fact, due to a situation that Rhaenyra and Daemon got into, which caused Otto to be fired as Hand, Alicent made it her personal mission to make sure Rhaenyra felt the pain of revenge. Just what was that thing that happened, though? Well, one night when Damon returned from fighting at the Stepstones, he brought Rhaenyra out for a scandalous night on the town in King's Landing. Both of them disguised, of course, but not good enough, because they were both seen in the pleasure house, about to fuck. Damon, the respectable uncle he is, didn't actually do anything more than have a steamy makeout. But everyone else who saw this, uh, yeah, they assumed otherwise. And Rhaenyra came home with blue clitoris galore and decided if she couldn't have Damon, she would have her knight, Sir Kristen Cole. Anyway, long story short, because Otto has eyes and ears around the city, he was aware right away and alerted the king to the situation. 
Of course, Rhaenyra swore it was not true. With a choice to make, Otto got the axe and Rhaenyra got a tea from the maesters that's as good as plan B. Along with setting into motion a series of events and drama between Alicent and Rhaenyra, we also saw a love affair between Rhaenyra and Kristen Cole begin. This love affair, though, seems to end abruptly as Rhaenyra gets to the age where she has to wed. And lucky for her, she finds a lovely man who is kind and decent to marry. And along with becoming a wife, she becomes a beard. A beard for Laenar Valerian, Lord Corlys and Princess Rhaenys's son. Laenar and Rhaenyra have a pretty modern agreement. Laenar, who is gay, can continue about his life. And Rhaenyra will also be free to find lovers of her own specifically Kristen Cole. During their wedding celebrations, Lanar's lover confronts Sir Cole and is like, yo, hey, we are both the lovers in the dark. Hey, buddy. Hey, pal. I know your secret. You know mine. Let's just, you know, get together, make sure we protect our booze. And the jacked up on testosterone, irrational thinker, beautiful head of hair, no brains Sir Cole takes that as a threat and brutally murders Lanar's lover in front of everyone. Washed over with shame, Cole is about to kill himself. When Alicent takes him and saves him, you are mine now. And hers he became. So what exactly is happening with King Viserys and Queen Alicent? Let's do a bit of a time jump. Buckle in, keep your arms, legs, feet, brain, mouth inside the vehicle. We're going 10 years in the future. Queen Alicent has had three white-haired little Targaryens with Viserys, and she's doing the best she can to keep her family stable. Though, there's just a few things in the way. For one, Viserys has some sort of leprosy and is literally decomposing by the day, and it seems that their mix of DNA has created some, uh, interesting children. By interesting, I mean that the two boys, Aegon II and Aemond, are complete jerks. I don't know how to make it more clear that they are just the fucking worst and they suck. Their daughter, Helena, she's really nice, but she's a bit odd. Always into nature and insects, she seems to have a difficult time connecting with other people, but does connect with some events that may be happening in the future. And unfortunately for her, In order to keep the bloodline pure, Helena has to marry her brother Aegon. It's full-on Targaryen, baby. The king's council has changed just a bit since Otto was let go, and now the hand is Lord Strong, whose one son, Harwin, is a knight in the City Watch and seems to have had a very close relationship with Rhaenyra and her three brunette boys who many allude to uh, are his biological children. Lord Strong's other son, Laris, also becomes a pivotal character and ally to the queen. Turns out he is the all-knowing gossip aficionado of the realm. In exchange for a sensual relationship with Alicent's feet, he gives her the 411 as well as making all her darkest desires come true. In one case, Laris took it into his own hands to burn Harwin and Lionel, his brother and father, to death. Well, my queen, now the hand is gone and your dear papa can come back. Okay, in these 10 years, what has happened with Damon? Well, he has married and has had two beautiful daughters with Lena Valerian. 
who again does not last long as an adult in this show due to similar issues as Emma. She has complications with childbirth and has no possible outcome that would allow her or the baby to live. So as a true dragon rider, she chooses her own way out and has her dragon, Vagar, burn her to death, leaving Damon a widow and Vagar riderless. A perfect opportunity for little Aemond to claim him. Turns out the feud between Rhaenyra and Alicent runs generational. As the brunette boys and the blonde boys get into a fight so aggressive that one of Rhaenyra's children, Lucerys, slashes Aemond in the eye and leaves him permanently scarred, and only one eye to see with. At Lena's funeral, the families are reunited, Lenar mourning the passing of his sister, Viserys figuring out how to keep his family together and at peace, Rhaenyra trying to block accusations of her brunette sons being bastards, and Damon a bit lost with how to move forward. Well, sounds like it's time for a plan. Rhaenyra and Damon decide that they should be married. Of course, the only way to make this happen is if Lenar is dead. And in a well-executed fake death, everyone in the kingdom believes Lenar dies. When in reality, he runs off with his lover to live a life where he can truly be himself. Leaving not only him free, but Rhaenyra free as well, to marry her uncle, Damon. Buckle up once more, time jump to six years later. And we find out that since the loss of their two children, Corlys has left Rhaenys to sit on the Driftmark throne in his absence as he fights at the Stepstones, once again. Though this time, he has suffered a bad injury and we're unsure of his return. Logically, his brother, Vaymond, is raising some questions like, hey, so if my brother does actually die, like, just curious, like, who's like, gonna sit on the throne? Well, Rhaenys does know what Corlys wished for, and it's for Rhaenyra and <clears throat> Lenar's <clears throat> son, Lucerys, aka Luke, to be heir to Driftmark. Though he did forget to put that in writing, and that leads to a big old scene at King's Landing, where Vaymond is going to fight to be heir in front of the king. But as the king is steadily decomposing and waiting on death's door, taking milk of the poppy by the hour to ease the pain, he is in no shape to sit on the throne, which is why Alicent has been sitting there for him. And while the whole family gathers to fight for Driftmark, we meet Rhaenyra and Damon's children, Aegon III, baby Viserys II, and one on the way. Rhaenyra is very emotional right now. She has to fight time and time again to make sure her brunette boys are not questioned as bastards. And with her father so close to dying, she's really wondering, is the dream of Aegon the Conqueror, the Song of Ice and Fire, the one that Viserys shared with her so many years ago, which is foretold to save the kingdom from a cold winter, is that really true? Perhaps from the strength he felt from Rhaenyra being present, perhaps he knew he had to stand one last time, Viserys makes it to the throne to hear this succession fight over Driftmark. And as Brainy says, Corlys wanted Luke. And hear ye, hear ye, Luke it shall be. Well, Vaymond didn't take that so well and starts pointing at Rhaenyra and her children, calling them bastards, calling Rhaenyra a whore, and slash, Damon takes his head for it. Later in the evening, we see one final happy family gathering. As Viserys makes a loving speech to his family, and momentarily inspires the rest of the family to make up with each other. 
and remember the love that they have. Later in the evening, we see that Viserys is slowly slipping into death as Alicent goes to comfort him. Out of consciousness, Viserys finally answers Rhaenyra's question about the Song of Ice and Fire. Yes, baby girl, it's real. Aegon was right, and you are the one to make it happen. His wife, Alicent, who is oblivious to this prophecy, unaware that Viserys was actually trying to talk to Rhaenyra, takes this to mean that her son, Aegon II, should be king. The next morning, Viserys is found dead. Alicent and Papa Otto start putting a plan into motion to set Aegon up as the new king. As Viserys wanted, according to Alicent. During this time, Rhaenys is locked in her room, unable to leave until she pledges loyalty to Aegon. Meanwhile, we learn about a web of information within King's Landing that's run by someone called the White Worm. We also learn about uh, this king's guard named Eric, who basically says, fuck this, fuck Aegon, fuck this fucking family, and I'm getting Rhaenys out of here. With that, he sneaks Rhaenys out, and while Aegon is being crowned king at the dragon pit in front of everyone, Rhaenys rises up from the pit with her dragon in the most badass exit and threat ever, and she goes straight to Dragonstone to alert Rhaenyra and family. Rhaenyra, so distressed by this news and treachery, goes into early labor and loses her sixth child. Our prince of fuck it, Sir Eric, shows up to pledge his loyalty to Rhaenyra as well as offer her her father's crown. Then and there, Damon crowns her, names her as queen, and those who are around bow to her, including a surprising Lord Corlys who just got back and is healing, as well as Rhaenys. To plan a war or not to plan a war, that is the question. And although Otto comes and visits and gives such a nice offer to Rhaenyra and her family to, like, step down, stay back, bitch, Aegon is king, um, they're not quite sold. Though one thing is for sure, Rhaenyra's plan is a plan of peace. A true queen, over everything else, chooses peace for her people. And in the collection of her allies, you know, who would be with me if I did need to strike, her oldest sons, Luke and Jace, go to have a friendly conversation with a few houses, to, you know, to remind them of their oaths 20 years ago. I'll leave you with the scene as the season also ends. Luke makes it to Lord Baratheon to give him a letter from his mother, when who is already there but a one-eyed Aemond. And, while Lord Baratheon cannot accept what Rhaenyra is proposing, you know, because she, like, didn't offer him anything, the bigger concern here is that Aemond is out for an eye. The two boys take their dragons to the sky, and while taunting Luke and Arax, Aemond and his massive dragon, Vagar go one step too far. Disobeying Aemond, Vagar chomps down on Luke and Arax, killing them both. Word comes back to Rhaenyra, and you can see it in her eyes. A war has begun. Well, this has been Studio Wednesday's Recap Diaries. Thank you for listening to today's diary, the season one recap of House the Dragon. Oh my god, I can't believe it's over. We have to wait so long for season two. But just because House of the Dragon season one is done does not mean we're done here. Hang on tight for season two of Recap Diaries because we will be finding a new story to recap and if you look forward to that, you can subscribe or follow or whatever it says right there on your screen on the platform that you listen to this on. And hey, even rate it if you like it. 
To learn more about Studio Wednesday or see the big reveal for what story will be recapped next, check out studio-wednesday.com slash recap diaries and follow on Instagram at recap diaries. That's all for now. Chat soon. XOXO, Katie.